Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join on the phone, online, or via text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at wdws.com. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody, on this Tuesday. It is Tuesday, right? My days are running together a little bit after a late night in Lincoln, Nebraska last night. Glad you're with us. Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts on this Tuesday, January the 16th. Busy show again today. We will have an open line for most of this first hour. We are going to get a quick update on that just a terrible story in California with the uh, kids that were held captive. Uh, the, I think the parents are now held on, I think it's $9 million bond, something like that. But uh, we've got a quick update on that story uh, here in a few minutes. And then we'll move to open lines, of course, the rest of the morning, uh, the rest of this hour. Then the 10 a.m. hour for the first uh, few minutes of the 10 o'clock hour, Unit 4 PTA Council has a town hall tomorrow night at the Illinois Terminal Building uh, discussing gun violence in our community and what can be done about that. So we'll talk to a, a couple of representatives, uh, Unit 4 PTA Council, on that, and then an open line the rest of the way after 10.30. So mixing and matching a little bit here today. Tomorrow, an open line at 9. Jim Dye joins me in the studio tomorrow at 10. And then, of course, I don't know if you've had the flu or not or know somebody that has, but my guess is you probably have. And Julie Pride's going to join us from the CU Public Health District on the flu outbreak and can answer your questions on that and other topics on Thursday morning at 9, an open line at 10 for a half hour. Busey Money Talk on Thursday. And right now, don't have anything um, unique planned yet. For Friday, we'll be in Madison, Wisconsin with the Illini basketball team as they play the Badgers on Friday night, Friday night basketball. Let me give you the phone numbers again, 356-9397, Castle Heating and Cooling text line 3515357. You can email us, talk at wdws.com. And I just uh, want to start by saying I'm sorry about the ball game last night. Um, boy, what a shot to the gut that was, where Illinois had a four-point play from Michael Finke, as it turned out, with eight seconds left to give Illinois a two-point lead. Nebraska comes down with eight seconds, run it up the floor to the left side, and uh, James Palmer hits a running three-point shot. It sort of resembled the Trent Frazier three-point shot the other night last week against Iowa, Kind of a running three-pointer where he was near the line when he shot it or behind it when he shot it, landed inside the three-point arc. And initially there was some confusion by the officials. One official said it was a two, which would have tied the game. Scoreboard reflected that for a moment. 63-63 tie, and then the other official, they overruled the official here on the near side as we were looking at it. And they rule it a three, and after a quick review of that, uh, I don't even know if they went to the monitor or not, but a pretty quick discussion among the officials Said, nope, that's a three, and the game was over. And just like that, the Illini had their sixth Big Ten loss. And that was a quiet plane ride home last night, I can tell you that. Cold and quiet. So, on to Madison, Wisconsin. We'll broadcast there live on Friday morning for our Penny for Your Thoughts show on that day. So, what's on your mind today? We can certainly talk about the game if you uh, feel like it. <laughs> I know. 
Man, have they come close. What is it now? Six Big Ten losses, three in overtime, one on a buzzer beater, and a couple others where they were within a possession or two at the end of the game. And, and really, the I said to Coach Underwood, I don't know if you stayed up for the post-game interview last night, but I said to Coach, I said, I'm sorry. Because the kids played really hard. They battled through a tough environment. 13,000, 14,000 people there last night at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Did everything that uh, the coaches talked about, out-rebounding Nebraska by 16 or 17. They shut down Glenn Watson for the most part, who's uh, the kind of the the ringleader of that Nebraska offense. They, Nebraska didn't shoot it very well from three. It had all the recipe of success, and then coaches talked about making winning plays at the end of games, and you thought you had one. With Finky's three-point shot, he was chest-bumping almost with uh, Coach Underwood. When he hit it, was fouled, go up two, and then lose at the buzzer. So that was a tough one to take last night. We can talk about that. Anything else on your mind today? We're at 9-10. We'll take our opening break, and we'll continue with more here from uh, our studios in downtown Champaign. As we come your way on a penny for your thoughts on a Tuesday, we're back with more in just a moment. We are back on a penny for your thoughts. Brian Barnhart here in downtown Champaign. Minus one currently at 9.13 in the morning. And you may have heard the uh, story from CBS News uh, late yesterday uh, into the evening and then overnight about uh, the 13 kids found captive in a home near Los Angeles. Steve Futterman is with CBS News. He's been covering that story. And, Steve, uh, I was doing a ball game last night in Lincoln, Nebraska. started seeing these reports come in, and uh, what a horrific story. It really is. Uh, you know, you just see the enormity, the number of children involved, 13 children ages 2 to 29. And what makes this story even more frightening is when you talk to some of the neighbors, they had no idea that there were children this old. Obviously, many of the children, I think seven of, of them, young adults, their growth had been apparently, we're putting some things together, one and two, we're adding things up, but it, it appears that these children had been had grown up in a malnourished state maybe their entire lives, which obviously stunted their growth. The young woman who escaped on Sunday, this is how police found out, one of the 13 children escaped from the home on Sunday, called police, they came, and then they rescued all the children. She is 17 years old. Police say they thought she was only 10 years old. So these children uh, were malnourished. Uh, some of them were shackled, not all of them, but when police arrived, some of the children were shackled to beds with padlocks and chains. Why this was being done, we don't know. In fact, police in their report, sort of a cryptic report, said that the parents could not give any reasonable explanation why the children were restrained. We may get more information in a few hours. There's a news conference scheduled just under three hours from now, but uh, lots of unanswered questions, and, of course, the neighbors are shocked. Yeah, Paris, California, I guess, is that in Riverside County? Yeah, Riverside County, that's the jurisdiction handling this. The Riverside County Sheriff's Department District Attorney will handle the charges. So around uh, 60, 70 miles east of L.A. Yeah, Steve Futterman with us from CBS News. Again, this story about the uh, 13 kids or young adults, in some cases, found captive in a home near Los Angeles. Uh, reminds me, and I know there's more people involved, but the, the women from the house in Cleveland if you, a couple of years ago, I mean, yep. similar type story, right? Someone escaped and, and, and finally got it reported. Yes, I, in fact, covered that story. That one, I mean, we don't know if there was physical sexual abuse. That was a case primarily of three women 
uh, being uh, abused sexually repeatedly over and over for around 10 years. We don't know and don't suspect necessarily that that's what was taking place here. Now, there, there's some unusual aspects to all this. Sometimes the entire family, the parents and the children, we go out on outings. The parents were new to their wedding vows in Las Vegas, and we see pictures of the entire family together. The children, in most cases, all dressed in the same outfit. Sort of reminds me, if you remember, The Sound of Music, where Julie Andrews cuts the curtains and puts all the Von Trapp kids in the same type of clothing. Uh, these, these kids were all wearing, for the most part, the same clothing. So there were ritualistic aspects to it. Some people who interacted with the children and parents on these field trips said that they didn't see anything wrong except maybe a bit unusual but nothing wrong the, the people who live nearby say they always felt something didn't didn't quite seem right the children would be very very pale uh, that's because they, they didn't go outdoors uh, that the children would not really interact they wouldn't really uh, communicate with anyone their social skills were basically non-existent and I spoke to one woman who said when they first moved in this family they lived in Texas prior to this when they first moved there the first Christmas she and her son went over there and she said when they talked to the children the children seemed scared like deers in the headlight they did not have any, uh, they, they did not want to or they, they seemed scared to be or communicate with other people. Yeah. You mentioned this is a 60, 70 miles southeast of L.A. Is it a small town is, is or a fairly big-sized community or what? I think 60, 70,000 people. But, you know, it's all part of the very expansive L.A., Orange County metropolitan area. So, you know, there are people who live here who work in L.A. County, commute quite a bit, but it is outside of L.A. County. Yeah, I'm always interested, Steve, in the neighbors. We always hear it. I don't know if it's the the age we live in where sometimes, you know, people, they may live near somebody or next to somebody. We're all probably guilty of it. We don't really know our neighbors that well. And you and maybe you notice something strange, but you don't want to interfere. You're not sure. I mean, there's that seems to be a, a common problem. It's interesting. I talked to one woman last night who said almost identically what you just said, Brian. Brian. She said that you know, the times we live in, we don't know our neighbors' names. We want to stay out of their business because we think they want us to stay out of their business. And that may be why uh, no one may be called authorities or, you know, that maybe people talk quietly amongst themselves about the unusual neighbors they had, but no one thought of uh, anything untoward happening. Certainly no one suggested or thought anything like this was going on. Yeah, so it's David Allen Turpin, I guess, 57, uh, Louise Anna Turpin, 49, what, $9 million bail, right? Yeah, for each of them, uh, yeah. $9 million each. They're not going to be let out. We could have charges as early as today, uh, but in the next day or two, we do expect some formal charges. And again, most likely things like torture, uh, child endangerment, kidnapping even. There are a variety of charges that authorities can file against them. Yeah. Well, Steve, uh, thank you for updating us on this. Keep up your good work at CBS. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Happy New Year, by the way. Yep, you too. Thanks, Steve. All right, that's Steve Futterman with CBS News out in California about that uh, story. A 17-year-old girl calling police after escaping from her family's home. She and her 12 brothers and sisters locked up in filthy conditions, some malnourished at first uh, so badly that officers believed all the children, even though uh, seven are adults, they thought they were all kids. And as you heard uh, Steve mention, they uh, will face some charges here probably later today the parents anyway all right uh, just wanted to hit on that real quickly we're at 919 open lines here the rest of this hour some local uh, headlines 
what about the uh, Christensen case? We had Tom Bruno on last week. Of course, he and his firm were involved in that early and then got out of it. Uh, but the attorneys now in the Christensen case say they want to move a change of venue uh, motion. We'll talk about that a little bit during the course of this hour. Urbana City Council, what to do with Lincoln Square? Uh, Urbana City Council looking at that. I know Diane Marlin in the News Gazette today was, and we've reported as well here on DWS about some of the ideas they, they're thinking about for Lincoln Square. And then the Champaign City Council talking about putting a cap on gaming establishment. Is it getting too widespread? in our community. So have any thoughts on uh, the national story of the day or any of the other local stories, feel free to give us a call at 356-9397. You can text the cooling text line 3515357 and you can email us talk at wdws.com. What would you like to see done with the uh, Lincoln Square area? Of course, that was a uh, hotbed of activity. I know growing up oh, what a great mall that was, Lincoln Square Mall. Of course, that entire Lincoln Square area included in that area are the Landmark Hotel, which they've been trying to renovate a couple of different ways. Lincoln Square Mall, uh, privately owned entities that have been the focus of renovation efforts. Former Mayor Laurel Prussing led a bid to transform the Landmark into a Hilton Tapestry Boutique Hotel. But uh, that fell through. And uh, Diane Marlin saying, I want to expand people's thinking to be about the site as a whole, not just the the ball area or the Lincoln Square area itself. So that's in the news today. Also, the Salvation Army of Champaign County, again, taking in homeless men at night. The replacement uh, re- uh, replacement is bursting at the seams this winter. The overnight men's shelter at New Covenant Fellowship Church in Champaign, now in its second year, seeing around 43 men per night, well above its capacity of 30. So those are some of the uh, local headlines here today. Your thoughts on any or all of that? Any thoughts on the ball game? Got a text in, says, I still don't understand why teams don't foul in these types of games. It couldn't have been a win to build on going to Wisconsin. The uh, same thing happened in the Penn State-Minnesota game, creating overtime. I think Minnesota eventually won in overtime in that ball game, And uh, Maryland and Michigan came down to the very end as well. That was a one-point game last night, as was the Illinois game last evening. Well, when you're up two... I mean, the big thing is you don't want to allow a three, which is eventually what happened. But I don't know, you wouldn't necessarily foul if you're only up two because that would put them at the free throw line. Unless you foul a really bad free throw shooter and you know for sure that, you know, he's going to miss it. But, uh, and Doug Altenberger explained this to me. He was doing the game last night, and, and you see it on the tape as they brought the floor up the right side, talking about Nebraska down two. Uh, Illinois, they looked like they tried to switch. Trent Frazier. And another Illini player tried to switch there as Palmer was catching that ball. And they wound up just missing him. And he had a pretty good look. He had a kind of a running shot at it from three-point territory. And it was interesting because we were on the same side as the television broadcast. Usually we're opposite them next to the bench. But in this case, the referee to our left was pointing emphatically. Because as a play-by-play guy, you're looking for the signal with the hand in the air for the three-point attempt. And when uh, Palmer let that ball go last night, instinctively I'm looking at it going, it looks to me like he's behind the line. But then the official on the left, he's pointing down with two fingers going, no, it's a two, he's on the line. And then the official I caught out of the corner of my eye on the right side was saying it was a three. Well, the scoreboard didn't know what to do. So when Frazier heaved his full court shot at the very end, the scoreboard read 63-63. 
And then they eventually got it sorted out and said, nope, Nebraska won the game right there. So just a very, very tough ending last night. All right, let's go to the phones here this morning on an open line this hour. Henry, good morning. How are you? Fine, Brian. How are you? Good. Hey, when that ball left the uh, Nebraska player's fingertips, I thought, that's going to go in. And yeah. it did. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, it looked good from where we were sitting. but Yeah. Uh, what I wanted to really talk about is uh, our illustrious Senator Dick Durbin. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, just an overview of what happened since that Tuesday meeting. You know, in, in one sense, that one man totally deep-sixed any any rational discussion and, and debate about uh, the, the DACA deal and also uh, all the immigration issues that are facing this nation right now. And I can't help but think that there was some kind of political opportunistic reason for what Dick Durbin did. Um, I wasn't as shocked by what he claimed, though I guess it's still controversial, uh, about what exactly was said. I, I think uh, you know it was a private meeting, and then for him to run out, which he typically does, and starts whining to the media about what big bad Donald Trump said. And I'm not, I wasn't a Trump voter myself. I voted for Gary Johnson, a uh, libertarian, but uh, I, I just thought that that was so childish. It's such a playground trick, you know. It's just, to me, it's kind of a Weasley, rat fink kind of thing to do. And I mean, we see the results of that now—just the 24/7 media outrage and everybody all upset about this. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I, Dick Durbin's done that before. Actually, I don't know if people remember back. I guess it was sometime in October 2013 that uh, he was at a, supposedly at, a, at this meeting involving uh, uh, some high-ranking Republican, uh, including Boehner, uh, speaking to, I uh, can't remember what the issue was, uh, to Barack Obama, President uh, Barack Obama, I believe it was in his office. And then after the meeting, uh, Dick Durbin posted on a, a Facebook, uh, there is a screenshot of this, where he accused uh, what he called uh, one, uh, I think he said, Republican leader, and that leads one to believe it's Boehner. That was supposed to have said to uh, uh, President Obama's face, "I cannot even stand looking at you." Well, people, other people in the meeting eventually came out within a few days and said that never happened, and we know it didn't happen because. Uh, uh, Jay, Jay Carney, who was the spokesman for Obama, I guess checked with him, and he came out and said that never happened. And so essentially that was their nice way of calling Dick Durbin a liar. And so I think it's a shame that one man like that can exercise, uh, you know, can, can really poison the water, yeah. poison the well. So you're, you're, and, you're thinking that uh, the Democrats, Durbin, in typifying that, uh, obviously, is one of the leaders, really doesn't want a DACA deal. Is that what you're saying? I think that's true. They want it as some sort of leverage. Mm -hmm. I, I think you're right. That's, I think, a pretty fair characterization of the whole thing because they want what they call it as a, a clean bill. They, they just want to do a DACA with, with their false promise of, well, we'll deal with the other issues, you know, like chain migration. And then Durbin's... Uh, 
I don't know what he was, you know, he was saying this chain migration, even though they have tape of him actually using that same term himself some years previously, says it has racist connotations because, uh, uh, you know, the early black slaves that were brought into this country brought in chains, and that somehow that chain migration harkens back to that time, which is pure bunk. And, you know, all it is is race baiting, race hustling, and it's to get some kind of political advantage, and I find that personally pretty disgusting yeah. that there can't be an honest, uh, you know, debate about the issues uh, which face this country. You know, like the the visa lottery. I mean, that yeah. that that's in- incredible that you know we actually have a lottery that just randomly goes in, and and you know it's like, oh gee, you get to come to America now, and it's usually involving nations that that uh, as Senator Graham. Lindsey Graham himself called hell holes. In fact, he said that several times. Uh, Lindsey Graham, who, mm-hmm. you know, I guess he has a nickname of Gramnesty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he said things like that. And, all right. Well, Henry, yeah. thank you. Thank you for expressing all that. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Brian. Keep yep. up the good work. You bet. Thank you. All right, we need a break, 929. We'll come back on the other side. We've got some news headlines, more calls, more texts, more emails. We'll take all of those next on Penny for Your Thoughts. Penny for Your Thoughts continues on this Tuesday. Hope you had a safe and happy Martin Luther King Day yesterday. It was a holiday. The uh, University of Illinois resuming classes today, so they're back at it on this Tuesday, January 16th. 356-9397. Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 3515357. You can email us, talk at wdws.com. First half hour, we've talked a little bit about uh, DACA and uh, Dick Durbin and President Trump and all of that, the back and forth on that. It just seems to me that there's a compromise in there somewhere, right? If the Democrats don't want a wall, per se, whatever the wall is, or increased security or whatever that is, electronic surveillance, I mean, a compromise is you give up something or you get you don't get everything you want and you don't get everything that you want. And the president's saying, hey, we'll cut a deal on DACA. We'll protect the Dreamers. Give me funding for the wall. It's all tied in with the continuing resolution or the uh, potential government shutdown. I don't know. To me, there's a compromise in there somewhere. But do you think the Democrats want a deal in the first place or do they want the issue? That usually is what is kicked around in Washington, D.C. when it comes to that. You get the midterms coming up, stir all that together, and you get what you get in Washington, D.C., which oftentimes is not much. A lot of hot air. All right, let's go back to the phones. And uh, Bobby, Bobby, how are you? Hey, doing all right. Hey, good to hear from you. Yes, sir. You know what? I, I told Jim when um, – when, um... Jim Turpin, when he was uh, when he was on, when he was doing the DJ, that uh, that uh, uh, that I truly believe God that I know for a fact that God allow either arrange and allow things to happen. Like for instance, uh, for example, he allowed President Trump to be president, and the reason why I say that just, just because the reason why I say that, God wants to reveal racism and greed. He wants to reveal the sin, the, the sin that this country, uh, that this, that this country has got to offer. And um, and this and another thing, that every time, 
every time we have a Republican president and a and a Republican Congress, Senate, Senate, and the and the House. Then we elect a president. Then we elect a, a Democrat president and a Democrat Congress, and they had to clean up all the mess that all the mess that the that the Republicans have have done to the country. So, are you expecting a big Democratic wave this year in the congressional races? Yes, sir, I yeah. do. You know, you, uh, um, um. Um, Herbert Hoover was the president one at one time, 1929. Yes, he was. And uh, he brought us through a recession. No, not a recession, but a depression. It was a lot worse than what George Bush did. When then George Bush got had a had a had a Republican Congress, and he was president, a Republican, and he brought us through a recession. And then it took uh, George Bush. I mean. Uh, not George Bush, but the uh, a Democrat president, a Democrat president, president, you, and a Democrat Congress. You're, you're talking after Hoover, or or recently? Oh, I'm, well, I'm talking oh. about recently. Okay, uh, yeah, you're talking about President Obama. Yeah, Fred, President Obama's had to get us out oh. of, and not, not only that, that uh, it was a Democrat president also that had to get it, had to clean up the mess that the Republicans done. That was uh, FDR. No, Bill Clinton. Oh, Bill Clinton. Okay. Bill Clinton had the mess after what Ronald Reagan and George Bush Sr. had done. And Franklin D. Roosevelt, a Democrat president, had to clean up what what, uh, what is, uh, the Republican... Uh, yeah. So they're, sir, they're cleaning up all the messes. That's what you're saying. That's exactly, that's exactly right. what I'm saying. All right, Bobby. Now here we got... Uh, now here we got um, uh, this president, yeah, and we're gonna take a they're gonna take a Democrat to clean up his mess. All right, God, and I truly believe God reveals all that to us, and it's up to us to have sense enough not to go through the same situation that we would that we were in before. All right, hey Bobby, good to hear from you. Yes, sir. Thank but, you. Thank you, sir. So Bobby's thinking there's going to be a big Democratic wave. Will the uh, Democrats take over the House again? Is it going to be Speaker Pelosi once again? Then look out. How quickly will they uh, bring impeachment proceedings? <clears throat> How long will that take if the uh, Democrats get control of the House? Uh, let's go to Eric. Hi, Eric. Hello, Brian. Uh, I, I would, I'd pack a lunch on that one as far as those type of outcome pro- projections. There's not nothing like that's gonna. You mean the Democrats? Democrats taking the House? You mean? I don't see it. Yeah. Well, as you know, and you study this, I know pretty close. Traditionally, the party in power loses seats, but you're saying they're not going to lose forty or whatever it is, forty-five. I don't think so. I I think there's there's too many things in the list right now to prevent that from happening. And when it, when it all comes down to when you start going record to record, it's going to be better. What I thought was interesting yesterday was uh, they had some clips about the new about the, the governor uh, race here, mm-hmm. and, and Chris Kennedy was on there. Yeah, wow, that was you know the, the, the problem. You know, the, the tuition at this university is, is for locals is, is incredibly high. 
you know, for st- in-state tuition. You know, you've got administrators upon administrators upon administrators. I mean, I mean, my dad say I could go to work, live in Chicago, I could work the summer as a, as a helper on construction or whatever, and pay, just about pay for my whole year working in the summer. Now, try doing that. You can't even... There's nothing like that can happen. Yeah. I mean, there's something. There's been a real, real shift in in how people in academia are compensated, and it's, and it's coming right at the actual end user, which is which is the children, and the students. You know, it's, it's a bad mess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I know that. Uh, so that's going to be. That's part of. of a, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I know the uh, university folks always are concerned about it. Uh, you know, from the the upper levels of the administration over there, saying, "Hey, we want to keep it affordable for everyone." Uh, obviously, they've got the the concern everybody does about the number of students, uh, high school students, seniors that are leaving the state to go to an Iowa, for instance, or an Iowa State. I think those are two of the top universities. A lot of people around the state, young people, and I know the university folks are concerned about that. So uh, there's a lot to dig into there we're at 945 lots of emails here from bill he says using dick durbin's logic what are we going to do about whipped cream it has the word whip it's white rich and always starts on top this is the same durbin that compared our military to pol pot talking about cambodia cj says lord lord help us from mike he says u.s history by bobby thanks for the tuesday morning laugh and from Mike, he says, if I remember right, God was a Republican. That's why he made Trump become president. If God was a Democrat, Hillary would have won. That's from Mike in Champaign. And also from Robert, he says, I speculate we will not see T. John Lucas in an Illinois uniform again, besides being in the doghouse, in quotes. It appears to me that he's not as good as Frazier, and as Williams and Smith develop better, he's likely to play behind them. And then we have Io Dosumo coming in next year, so we'll have plenty of guards. And at best, Lucas will get some playing time and probably reduce minutes. He wants to play, so transfer now, sit out this semester and the fall semester, and then he'll be playing second semester next year. What are your thoughts on that? That from Robert. Well, we'll see. It's kind of day-to-day right now, and he did not make the trip to Lincoln, Nebraska. So not only did he not play in the Iowa game, he was in street clothes. He was cheering on his teammates in the game with Iowa, but did not travel to Nebraska. So... That's not a good sign, but uh, what the coaching staff is doing with that, they'll handle it, and we'll see where it goes from there. And if he plays again this year, or is it day-to-day, or is it indefinite, or how long, we don't know for sure. All right, back to the phones here at 946. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing fine, Brian. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, I, I I don't know what I'm to do whenever I hear Bobby speak. I don't know whether just to shut it off or laugh or just cry. It's I've never seen a man outside of Stan so out of touch with reality. Um, Bobby's got to realize it was the Democrat Party that was the slave party, the party of segregation, the party of the Klan, the party of Jim Crow, the party of lynchings. That was the Democrat Party all the way. Especially in the South. Especially in the South, but even in the North. You know, we had segregation because of Democrats. And that's all, all of that. And he's got to remember the Republican Party was formed to end slavery. And after the Civil War, down south, there were black senators and representatives in state government 
and the Republican Party until the Democrats took over again and passed laws to keep them out of office. Yep, that he, happened during the uh, yep during Reconstruction. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got to understand this. And the fact is, Johnson, a Democrat, when he passed the Great Society program, which is basically just all socialism and communism, that's all it is. One of the requirements for black families to get aid was the man, the father had to be out of the house. He destroyed the black family in this country with welfare. Before that happened, only about 20 to 22 percent of black children in this country were born out of wedlock. Now, over 70 percent of kids are born out of wedlock in our country, black kids. Well, what would you what would you what what would you think about if someone said, "Hey, you know, now the the Southern Democrats and they were Democrats because uh, the Democratic Party was split before the Civil War and after, and then the Republicans, of course, after uh, Lincoln, uh, pretty much dominated through U.S. Grant, dominated the presidency, uh, controlled mm-hmm. the Congress. Uh, a lot of those, as you moved into the late eighteen hundreds, into the early nineteen hundreds, and into the forties and fifties of the of the next uh, century." A lot of those Southern Democrats gradually became Republicans just because the party moved the other way. Is that- I, I would like to see you. I want like to see anybody. I'm pointing at you, Brian. I would love to see that proved. I want to see that. Well, proved. I, I'm just not- saying. I don't know. I'm just asking. Would that? Would that be a? Yeah, that's, that that would to me is actually just propaganda. It's the same thing as Dick Durbin claiming that Trump called these countries that obscene word, and Trump is flat out saying no, it never happened, and other people there said it never happened. Yeah. It, it, there's no proof of that. They yeah. never, quote, became Republicans, and the Republicans became, quote, bad people and racists and segregationists. No, those people were still Democrats. You, take a look. Look at George Wallace. Mm-hmm. Governor George Wallace. He used to be a civil rights lawyer, but uh, when he found out what was going on, he switched. He did a lot of bad things, but he said he could outblank the N-word. He could out, yeah. do whatever it did to get along. There's no evidence whatsoever that modern Republicans were the old racist Democrats. The Republican Party is not racist. It, it really isn't. That is just a massive propaganda sphere campaign. Yeah. No, I, I agree with and you. I, they're not. But I, what I'm saying is is that, for instance, Ronald Reagan was a Democrat at one point. And he used yeah, to, he, 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 well, well, he used to joke. He said, you know, when, they had, when did you leave the Democratic Party? He said, well, they, I didn't leave them. They left me. Yeah, he would joke about that. Yeah. remember why he switched. He was at a union rally, a union protest, or there was a protest going on and everything, and he saw some union thugs throw acid in a person's face that was trying to go to work across the picket line. Yeah. They threw acid in the person's face. And that's what woke President Ronald Reagan, Reagan up. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to sound too fiery right now since I have to cough it, and Bobby really hit the wrong button on No, that, that's... I apologize <laughs> for coming on strong. I, I really do. That's okay. But, uh, yeah. Hey. But, uh, yeah, he saw union funds for acid in a person's face. I mean, and not everybody in the union is bad. There's good people in the unions, too. Right. But the mob ran the, you know, the Teamsters, the AFL-CIO, and a bunch of other unions for years. They may still do. I don't know, but. Yeah. Hey, uh, but, 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 yeah, no, I was going to say, i, I got to move on here, Brian, but I, I really appreciate your passion. Okay, and uh, I, I just hope Bobby checks history. All right, <laughs> Well, thanks. Yeah, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it, right? That's what they say. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Thanks, Brian. You too. God bless. Yep, Bye-bye. you too. Good to hear from you. All right, let's see here. We need a break, I think. 9.51. We've got some texts and emails. Busy here in this first hour. Love the open line conversation. 
We can go back and forth on this or anything else. We'll do all that next as we continue with more after this on Penny. Got an email from Sarah, says from reading books written about former President Lyndon Johnson, that man freely used language that would be shocking most of the time. Politics and power were part of a good old boy network and simply what was heard in a one-to-one or at a meeting that was not shared. That's true. If you've heard the Lyndon Johnson tapes, a lot of those, uh, there was uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of uh, language back and forth. Uh, Richard Nixon, I think, uh, on those tapes from the White House. It's interesting just to go back and kind of hear some of those. We're at 955. And uh, if you, it's interesting with the Democratic Party, too, the history of the Democratic Party. When you read it, uh, FDR was in power, what, elected to a fourth term. Eventually, you had some very liberal to the left of even FDR, Henry Wallace, for instance. You had more conservative Democrats. And then throughout the 50s and 60s, you had more conservative Democrats. Uh, that was one of the reasons, I mean, John F. Kennedy would probably be considered today more of a centrist. I would the Democratic Party, uh, maybe right of center with the tax reform that he was proposing, tax cuts uh, when he was running. But he needed a Southerner, Lyndon Baines Johnson, on his ticket to counter what was perceived as a Northeast uh, perception, of course, of the Kennedys being from Massachusetts. So it's just interesting, and, and there are very few, I would say, if you look at the numbers, we've become so, uh, with the congressional districts, so far left or so far right, which is basically the problem in Congress. They're not talking to each other so far apart that and they to be reelected in the district that they are representing they're not going to go against what their constituents want in that district hi anna wall how are you good morning i just want to thank the gentleman who called in and made the comments about what bobby had said hold on just a minute bobby just doesn't realize that I don't think that uh, all Republicans are bad and that all Republic, all Democrats are good. There's good and bad in both parties. And I don't think he is aware of the fact that it was the Republican Party which brought an end to slavery. Mm-hmm. But these are different times now. We don't have slavery. Not all Democrats are bad and not all Republicans are good. So I'm glad that he's interested in politics, but he needs to pay more attention to do to who's doing what in our society today. And he'd be surprised to know that Anna Wall Scott at one time was a Democrat when the late Richard J. Daley was in Chicago and had these wonderful blacks who were raising her level of aspirations, political aspirations, and doing good for the black in society. So all all Republicans aren't good, and all Democrats are not bad, Bobby. So quit putting the blame on the Democrat Party. All right. Hey, thanks, Anna Wall. <laughs> Great to hear from you. Facer Law Office invites you to attend their free seminar, The Seven Secrets You Need to Know to Protect Your Home, Your Assets, and Your Family from the Cost of Long-Term Care. Learn about the law that completely changes the rules and much more tomorrow, Wednesday, January 17th at one thirty at the I-Hotel. Call Facer Law Office, 337-1111 to reserve your spot, 337-1111. 
Ask about the book co-authored by Elder Law Attorney Thorpe Facer. Protect your family. Don't write a blank check to the nursing home. We are just before 10 o'clock. We visited with Steve Futterman earlier this morning about that horrific uh, story out of California with the 13 kids found captive in a home near Los Angeles. Uh, we updated that story for you. We talked a lot about DACA and the Democrats and history. I love talking history, by the way. I've read a lot of books. I was, was going to be a history major at one point in my life, so I guess uh, since I went into broadcasting, I can practice history on the radio, right? <laughs> or at least try. So uh, that's a lot of fun always to get into that, uh, about the history of dem- parties and, and uh, the history of our nation. Coming up here in this uh, second hour, the PTA Council for Unit 4 Town Hall tomorrow night at the Illinois Terminal Building on gun violence in our community. We'll visit with a few folks from there about that and then back to the open phones here this morning on Penny for Your Thoughts. So glad you're with us. Stay tuned. We're on a Tuesday. It's 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again, Brian Barnhart. And good morning and welcome back. Penny for your thoughts. Had a uh, busy first hour. Glad you're with us on this very cold. We're at zero now. We finally made it to zero. We're at 10 after 10 here on this Tuesday morning. We'll uh, tell you about our next guest here for a few minutes coming up in just a moment. We will tell you tomorrow morning at 9 is an open line. Jim Dye joins me in studio tomorrow morning at 10. We'll talk about this flu outbreak. I don't know if you've had the flu or you know somebody who has, but it has been nasty. And Julie Pride from the CU Public Health District will be here at 9 a.m. to take your questions Thursday and open line at 10. And then Busey Money Talk at 10.30 on Thursday. Friday, I haven't figured out yet what all we're going to talk about, but I will be from Madison, Wisconsin, as we travel with a basketball team. Leave Thursday night, be up there and do the show from Madison on Friday morning. All right, uh, let's see here. Let me give you the phone numbers, 356-9397. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 3515357. You can email us, talk at wdws.com. The Unit 4 PTA Council is going to have a town hall on gun violence. Uh, that is going to come up tomorrow night, Wednesday, January 17th, 630 to 830 at the uh, fourth floor at the Illinois Terminal Building. Sherry Williamson is here for a few minutes. How are you? Wait, let me get your on. mic on. There we go. Yeah, better turn that on. <laughs> How you doing? Good. Thanks Good. for having you me. You made on. it through the cold. I have. Yeah. So this is uh, going to be a big event tomorrow night. Uh, first of all, so. tell us about your uh, what you're doing here. You're with the PTA, is that right? Right. So um, I took the position of president of the council this year to try to go in a new direction with the council. There's a lot of potential for the council to get involved with these types of events, this type of activism. Um, But obviously, this is something that affects the district because we had a shooting at Central High School recently. Yeah. Is this the one involving with the Danville, the basketball game, right? Correct. Is that kind of what spurred some of this, you're thinking, or is it others tied in with that? I mean... Gun violence, obviously, we're seeing a rise in Champaign, which is, you know, important for anybody to be aware of and understand what's going on. But when you have it at a high school, now you really are affecting 
anybody. I mean, any student could be there. Any parent could be there. Anybody from the community could be there. Um, and we obviously want our schools to be safe for our students. That's the last thing we want them to do is feel unsafe when they're there. Yeah, because when it starts reaching into the schools, we're talking about your kids, Mike, I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. children, uh, whatever age they are. So that certainly uh, is important. All right, tell us about the meeting. Who all is going to be there? You've got a panel coming in, I think a pretty well-known panel, right? Yeah, I've been fortunate that I've had um, a lot of great stakeholders and local um, community leaders who are going to be um, on the panel. We have the Chief of Police for Champaign, um, Champaign County State's Attorney, the Champaign County Sheriff's Department, the Director of the Police Training Institute, um, Champaign Unit 4 Schools will be represented. Um, We also have um, grassroots efforts, Moms Demand Action, Truce, um, as well as Dr. Nicole Anderson-Cobb, who has done research around gun violence. Mm So she can provide some research on this. Uh, so much of this starts at home, right? I mean, uh, you know, the schools have to deal kind of with the fallout. but Yeah, I mean, the community see. has to deal with the fallout, mm-hmm. too. Um, you know, I at the Champaign Community Coalition meeting that happened right after the weekend that included the central shooting, um, you know, one of the people who was attending said, we need to work more on wrapping around our families. And that's really my goal coming out of this town hall is to understand Gun violence is an issue in and of itself, but it's also a symptom of other problems. What are those possible problems? Because there isn't one that causes gun violence. It's all of them together. Um, But help to understand what causes this, what uh, programs we can prioritize as a community to either volunteer for, fund, et cetera. Um, And then really, it's a call to action to the community. I mean, if you are at all concerned about your loved one going to a basketball game, going to a gas station, in some way, shape, or form, putting themselves in the light of fire, then this is an event that you need to attend. Sherry Williamson is with us. She's with the Champaign uh, PTA, uh, Unit 4 involved. So obviously Dr. Susan Zola is uh, fully behind this. Yes. Yeah. That's big. I mean, she's uh, well-respected in our community. Yeah, and as the new superintendent, you know, we always say, you know, new or old, we look to them to find ways to create safety around our, our school community. Um, but, you know, part of the town hall is not only them answering these questions, but them also giving us a, a guidance on how we can support them mm-hmm. so that we are able to help them with what, whatever agenda they have. We can help them as a community, um, as stakeholders, you know, to to make sure that we're all working together to push along the same safety for our children. Mm-hmm. We're with uh, Sherry Williamson here for a couple more minutes as we talk about this uh, town hall on gun violence coming up tomorrow night. So 6.30 to 8.30, uh, just open to the public. People come in, mm-hmm. ask questions. Uh, so the first hour will be a predetermined set of questions that the panelists currently have. Um, the second hour will be Q&A for the panelists. So hopefully nothing opening, you know, too much of a new can of worms, just an extension on a, a current answer. But we definitely want the community to be there, ask their questions, provide their comments, concerns, because we want those stakeholders who are the panelists to be able to see kind of what the reality is if they weren't already aware of what the community is, what their feelings are, and what's been going on. I know uh, Chief Cobb has been on the, obviously as the chief, he's on the front lines of this. Uh, Have you talked to him about all of this? Uh, How's he feeling about all of this? Yeah, so I actually had um, an interesting conversation with Chief Cobb um, at the end of the coalition meeting recently um, where I kind of let the coalition know about, um, you know, what the town hall is, you know, kind of what I'm doing here. Um, and I think there's a lot of support that needs to come from the community to the, the police department. Um, you know, we've had kind of bad you know, law enforcement community relations, and I think that is one of the pieces that needs to change. And so, again, as one of the panelists, I want him to be able to say, this is how you can support law enforcement. This is what we need from you so that we're able to do our job effectively. Sherry Williamson uh, with us here this morning. So, again, that is uh, tomorrow night. 
fourth floor of the Illinois building, the Illinois Terminal building. That's right downtown Champaign. Mm-hmm. That's pretty easy to find. It is. Yeah. We um, had that space graciously donated to us from the MTD because they believe in what's going on. They believe mm-hmm. something needs to change, and so time to get everybody together and have that discussion. Yeah, and I think you would agree with me. I mean, we you can talk a lot about this, and it's been a problem, but you got to come up with some kind of solution. It's one thing to just talk around it no, and, talk yeah. in, and say, yeah, it's a problem, but we got to do something. Well, that's kind of what you're hoping for, right? Get some answers. There was an article that was recently written by Dr. Nicole Anderson-Cobb that was published in Smile Politely. It's a good article that people should read because it does kind of call out the community saying, we've had a lot of these discussions in the past, but have we had sustainable action? That's the hope is that what we can do moving forward from the town hall is if somebody says, you know, I get it. It happened at a school. I'm ready to get involved. We as stakeholders and the panelists and just those, the PTA, whoever wants to be involved can say, here's how we can get you to plug in somewhere in the community to help us with this effort. Okay. And once you run through the list again, we've got Anthony Cobb, Julia Reitz. Julia Reitz. Um, We have Alan Jones, Dr. Susan Zola. Um, We have Lauren Quinn from Moms Demand Action, Dr. Nicole Anderson um, Cobb. We also have Dr. Michael Schlosser from the Police Training Institute. Um, I think... I think you may have mentioned them all. I think that might be it. There's a, there, oh, we have um, Joby James from Truce. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, a new add to the panel. We have a really great rounded out collection of, of perspectives, so mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very informative for those who attend. Yeah. Well, Sherry, we'll, uh, we'll hope people uh, can attend that. Uh, if they wanted any, inf- any other information, should they call you or just... Or just go with what we've given them? Um, so they can go to the PTA Council's Facebook page, submit any questions that they would like um, ask during like the Q- um, Q&A from the audience. They can submit them if they're not going to be able to be there. We are going to try to live stream um, from the event on the Council Facebook page for those who can't actually be there. But we would much rather people attend, show visibility and support of this effort. Yeah. All right. Uh, you got time to take a call? Sure. You want to do that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go to the uh, phones here. We're at 1018. Richard, go ahead. Good morning, Brian, and good morning, uh, madam. Uh, may I ask you a very personal question? Um, what would you do with guns if, if you had your, if you had the power to do so? What would you do? Um, I think for me, it's all about education. I would want to educate our elected officials on the ramifications of different policies and legislation. I would want to educate community on gun safety for those who own guns, you know, making it so they are accessible to youth. Um, But I would also want to apply a lot of other resources, for instance, you know, practicing restorative justice and, you know, using that as a coping mechanism versus picking up a gun when you have conflict. I think this is not one of those things where there is one there's one solution. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of different facets to gun violence. And so you're, it, it takes an effort like this town hall from a bunch of different perspectives to be able to start even working in the right direction. Um, so while I would love to say there's one solution, there's not. Okay, well, Richard. I agree with your, uh, your emphasis um, on education. And I believe education without discipline is absolutely worthless. I I would like to see more discipline in the schools, in our community schools, where violence begins, not necessarily with gun in hand, but there are many violent people in our in our high schools who are not dealt with properly, and I think the problem is uh, a failure to, um, uh, shall we say, impose discipline on these young people. 
That is actually um, something I have reached out to faculty at the U of I because we do actually have a huge resource in our backyard. And so I've reached out to faculty at the U of I who provide that type of um, not necessarily discipline, but a new education on coping with conflict um, to hopefully start figuring out how to get that type of thing to be more static and uniform and present in schools. All right, well, thank Richard. Thank you for your efforts. Thank, thank you. Bye. And counseling is a big part of that, too, right? I mean, counselors are so important in the schools for Hey, somebody, I'm having a really, not just a tough day, but I've got some serious issues at home or I've got, mm-hmm. I've got conflict with somebody in the school that, you know, I'm really, really mad at them and I want to do something. I mean, counseling is a big part of that, right? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that um, I'm hoping, again, you know, with the new direction I'm wanting to take the council um, is to start parent peer mentor groups next year um, where you know, parents might not necessarily engage with the schools because of stigma. They don't want their kid to be known as that child. Or it's just, you know, there's shame when you're um, operating from a deficiency, when you are told you're the parent of the child who's bad, Um, where they might not necessarily engage with the school. I want parents who've had that struggle. Maybe they've had a child in the past who's been, you know, branded that way. This parent can step in and help the parent who's now just on this journey saying, this is what worked for me. This is how I coped with it. Here's how I got through it. And here's, I am just to be a support for you because I know how difficult this is because in the interim, when the parents aren't engaging with the school, it doesn't negate the need of that child. So hopefully this other parent can step in and really be the support and get that parent what they need. Yeah. I know that's always the issue is, um, and you've, I'm sure faced it with a PTA is getting parents Involved. involved in their mm-hmm. children's lives. I mean, it's and, and parents are busy. They're working. Maybe both spouses are working, you know, and they don't have time. But, I mean, it's just I know at a school, people have told me, Susan Zola and others, uh, the parents can have such a huge impact if they're just plugged in. Yeah, they can be a huge asset if for no other reason than they're bringing their experiences and they can impart those experiences hopefully in a positive way on other parents to support them as they have similar experiences But, you know, that's also kind of the million-dollar question with getting people involved from the community around gun violence. Mm -hmm. They know it's happening. They know they don't want to see it again. But how do you get them to get engaged and stay engaged? Mm -hmm. So people interested in the PTA, how how do they do that? Um, They can get involved with their local, um, you know, PTA at their their child's school or if they have a school that's in their neighborhood that they want to support efforts that are going on. Um, I also encourage parents to think outside the box, even though I am the president of the council, the PTA is not the end-all be-all to parent engagement. It's not the only way for parents mm-hmm. to engage. That's why we're looking at like parent, uh, peer mentor groups. There's more ways that parents can get involved, and I'm open to all of those ideas mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, it's a parent who's involved. All right, very good. A caller wanted to know where they should park for the meeting. So the city of Champaign, you want to offer some free parking? (laughs) Um, So I was told, you know, obviously your usual suspects um, around downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also a lot that is on the other side of the tracks that's completely free. You just have to walk under the viaduct um, where the the buses run. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of lighting, so safety shouldn't be an issue at all. People park there all the time for the buses and trains and everything else. Yeah. Um, The lot that is actually in front of the terminal, though, I think, it is a metered, right. um, it's a paid mm. lot, so wouldn't be the best option. Um, but there definitely is lots of parking in that lot yeah. back there. Okay. Hey, Sherry, thank you for all the information. Yeah. And this sounds like on. a really good uh, project tomorrow night, 630 to 830, fourth floor of the Illinois Terminal Building, U- uh, Unit 4 PTA Council Town Hall on Gun Violence, and uh, get more involved in 
yeah. your schools, that's for sure, too, in addition to this. Yeah, I mean, and definitely stay um, you know, tuned into the council page because, like I said, it is a call to action. You know, we're not just having a meeting and cutting everybody loose. We're going to find tons and tons of ways for people to get plugged in. So please keep in touch with us. All right. Thank you, Sherry. Yeah, thanks for having me Good on. Good to see you. Okay, we'll take a break. Back with more Penny for Your Thoughts in just a moment. Got a nice uh, email here from Sandy. Says, really enjoy your show, Brian. Your thoughtful, knowledgeable host. Really interesting. Thank you, Sandy. Appreciate your uh, email today. We're at uh, 1028 here on DWS. We have an open line here the rest of this show. Appreciate Sherry Williamson coming through the cold to tell us about that town hall. Again, that's tomorrow night at the Illinois Terminal Building for, uh, sorry, 630 to 830. A couple of hours there tomorrow night. Uh, Unit 4 PTA Council Town Hall on Gun Violence. Tomorrow morning, an open line on Wednesday. Jim Dye joins me in studio at 10 a.m. tomorrow. And then Thursday morning, Julie Pride from the Champaign Republic Health District on the flu outbreak. So if you have some questions on that, and you might, I would assume, probably bump into somebody that has the flu or has had it here recently. And some have gotten it worse than others, and uh, Julie Pride will visit with us about that on Thursday morning at 9 a.m. So mark that on your calendar. Coming up at the end of the month, we're going to talk taxes a little bit. Uh, In that last week in January, Dan Holder is going to tell us about the new tax law and some of the things to watch for there. So check that out later in the month. Glad you're with us on Penny for Your Thoughts. We have some news headlines coming up here with Michael Kaiser. More of our show. It's been a fast show so far today. That's the way we like it. Glad you're with us. Trying to shake off a fighting Illini loss last night at the buzzer, and they'll get ready to take on Wisconsin Friday night at 8 here on this radio station and our sister station, Light Rock 97.5. The women play tonight right here as well. Michael Kaiser has the news next on DWS. More Penny for Your Thoughts straight ahead. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. Open line the rest of the way. Penny for your thoughts here this morning. 356-9397. Castle Heating and Cooling text line 3515357. Glad you're with us. Hope you're staying warm. Trying to anyway. Zero degrees. It was really cold on the tarmac in Lincoln last night. I think we got on the plane at after midnight. They had us get off the bus, so they were going to search the luggage, walk to the terminal from the parking lot, go through the terminal, and they have kind of like they do here at uh, Flight Star, uh, Signature Air and some different places like that. Then back onto the tarmac. And there are not many colder places on this earth than an open tarmac in Lincoln, Nebraska at 12 in the morning. <laughs> Got on the plane. It's like, okay, now I'm wide awake after the disappointment of the ball game. All right, this day, 100 years ago, the fuel administrator for Iowa proposed shutting down businesses and industries on Saturdays, Sundays, and Mondays for two weeks in Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, and Missouri because of a coal shortage. It was 100 years ago today. The reduction in coal production because of recent winter storms was the reason given for the conservation effort. And uh, 50 years ago, 1968, is that really 50 years ago now? I guess it is. The Andersons, a 12 million bushel elevator being built west of Champaign, was to be operation in operation by September, said Thomas Anderson, one of the 54 Anderson family members who were partners in the operation. Under construction back in six were 24 storage tanks, each with a capacity of 485,000 bushels. They used to have an Anderson store out there. Remember that? I think my dad used to get some Anderson hats. 
He may still have a couple. <laughs> Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Ursula, how are you today? I'm trying to keep warm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm amazed that there hasn't been more of a furor about the teacher that, uh, I don't know what state it was in, complained about, uh, you know, that the superintendent of schools had gotten a $30,000 raise uh, and the teachers hadn't had a new contract or whatever for 11 years. And uh, I don't know if there was uh, previously something that happened or whatever, And uh, but there was no reason for the woman to be arrested. I mean, who who ordered the arrest? I mean, she was just talking. She wasn't doing anything. I probably would have been arrested, too, because if I were, you know, had been that interested in things like that, uh, I would have been very verbal and loud. And uh, I would have been in jail. And I, I think she just, uh, you know, hmm. had the right to do that. Yeah, you know, you, to lift up. I think it's just horrible. Absolutely horrible. I mean, we're losing more rights every day. And this is, seems like, you know, it seems like a, hmm. a regular thing to do. I know it's nothing extraordinary. Yeah. Ursula, so, your phone was your phone was kind of breaking up there intermittently. I think I got the gist of it. But um, Okay. So, okay. So, thank you. All right. Thank all right. you. Okay. I don't know if you – it's kind of like a um, SOS message coming from off the coast there a little bit. All right, back to the phones. Uh, let's go to Bill. How are you, Bill? I'm good, Brian. Brian, I got a suggestion for your program. Yes. Um, I'm 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 a constant li- listener as much as I possibly can be. Uh, but when you come to your breaks, like well, a few minutes ago, you had your time where you take a break and you have the news. Hmm. Uh, I generally at that point into WMAQ in Chicago just long enough to get the markets. Oh, yeah, the market update, yep. I wonder if there's any way that you could add that just as you guys sign on to the news, if you could say the Dow is such and such, S&P is such and such, NASDAQ is such and such, uh, that would stop me from putting up to their station. Yeah. I prefer to stay with you, and I prefer to listen to ads to do with the Champaign-Urbana area, you know, when yeah. I, there was a couple of serious so, minutes at the end of that. I'd, but but I, got, I, did, I did switch to MAQ and got to what, you know, picked up on what the markets had done. Mm-hmm. And I switched right back, and I still, what I'm saying is, I'd prefer to stay with you guys all the time if you could add that into your little news right there blip maybe a couple or three times in your two-hour period i mm, okay I would be great. it's only a suggestion maybe nobody else would even agree to that you yeah know, or agree with it, but well i know we um we've i think over the oh, because they over the years we've been sort of doing that at the end of each newscast um during the penny hour but i don't know if we've i haven't paid attention if we've been doing it here recently but um, certainly it's something, I mean, I, I've, I've got it in front of me. I could do it going into the break, for that matter. Yeah, well, that's what I wondered if you could. Yeah. Regardless, it's only a suggestion. Yeah. And I love your program, and I don't even like to click away from it long enough to get the <laughs> markets all off. I can get the markets. Yeah, well, you got to get a cell phone, Bill. You can just you can, you can can look at it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I've got a cell phone, 
Because <laughs> because Ed, Ed's checking his constantly, so you okay. know he, he's he's raking in money hand over fist. So okay, all right, thanks, a lot. thanks Bill. Appreciate the suggestion. Three five six nine three nine seven. You can email us talk at wdws dot com. There was a suggestion box. Edition. Uh, right, Ed. You you check the stock about every minute. I think. I think you have bells going off every few seconds. Let's see. What else here can I uh, mention before we go to a break? Oh, real quick. Uh, social media etiquette mistakes to avoid. Okay. And you may appreciate these. A lot of you I know are on Facebook. These are things to avoid. All right. Tagging friends without asking. You know, you just tag them in your Facebook. And I don't, I don't post a whole lot on Facebook and I don't tag. That's for sure. But. Uh, complaining about your job. It's too easy to, for it to get back to your boss. <laughs> Other higher-ups and coworkers. Okay, These are all social media etiquette things to avoid. Posting too frequently. You ever had that with someone? You think, man, that guy posts a lot. Uh, overusing hashtags. Uh, forcing a connection, trying to force familiarity that you don't have when trying to boost your career or brand. They say that's a no-no. Oversharing your personal information, venting on social media has its limits. Okay, and I kind of agree on this on this part. I mean, I I always you know I always feel bad if I know somebody, a friend of mine, is in the hospital or has gone in, or they're having surgery. Maybe they're having knee surgery, but I don't need to see the scar. Okay. Don't show me this. The I don't need to see that. That to me, that's too much information. Okay, just update me. Let me know if we need to come see you. Where are you? I don't need to see the scar. All right. Announcing you're cleaning up your friend list. Asking or begging for followers, or for them to uh, like things, comment or retweet. Uh, the things you should not do. Social media bragging or showing off. Talking about your business venture on Facebook, if you constantly post on your personal page about your business, it can annoy friends and family and even might violate Facebook's terms of service. Set up a business page for your businesses. And forgetting to write back, and this is something I've tried to remember to do because it's your birthday and you get 50 or 100 or 150 well wishes. Try to respond to all comments, even if it's something as simple as thank you. You can click on the little like button, just like everything that it says, and everybody will know that you saw it. So those are just some little etiquette things that I came across today. 1043, we'll take a break. We're back with Penny for your thoughts. we got some more uh, emails to get to. We'll do that. By the way, the Dow is up 162, in case you're following that. Back with more in just a moment. Yeah, the Olympics coming up here just around the corner in early February, less than a month away, 3569397. You can email us, talk at WDWS.com, Texas 3515357. We have a new sponsor on our show, the Snooze Luxury Mattress Shop, 2007A South Neal Street, north end of the Carriage Center in Champaign, right next to Scotty's Brewhouse. Now, I can tell you that you can buy a mattress anywhere, okay? There are a lot of places to go, good places to get mattress, but if you want to take a step up in quality and style, when it comes to getting the sleep you need, the Snooze Luxury Mattress Shop on South Neal is the place to visit. Christy is there. I met Christy a couple of weeks ago. She does a terrific job, let me tell you. 
Went in there. The first thing, you walk in, it's like, wow, look at this room with all the attractive uh, showroom items full of mattresses, various sizes and styles. I think they've got organic mattresses in there. They've got luxury sheets they can show you from cotton blend and tinsel to French linen. Those will wrap you in comfort and luxury. But the first thing they do is they go, okay, what size bed are you looking for? Okay, uh, how much do you weigh? Or how tall are you? What All the different facts. And then they say, okay, lay on this bed here. And it's called the reveal. And you basically lay on the bed, and it tells you, and it shows you on a screen where all your pressure points are. I mean, how about that? shows you, hey, I'm, you sleep on your side. You know, mine tends to be in my shoulder. I'm still needing to uh, look at maybe getting a mattress and, and uh, helping my shoulder a little bit. That was one area. Do you sleep on your back? Do uh, you sleep on your stomach? They want to know all that. Then they'll say, okay, well, here's the type of mattress we think, based on this, that would be good for you. And so they have you test it out. Take your shoes off. They've got a place to put your feet. You lay on the bed. And it's not like you lay there for two minutes and then get up. Oh, that's good. I'll take this one. No, they, they let you lay there. Then uh, Christy helped us out, brought some pillows. Try this pillow. Do you want a soft pillow, firm pillow, fluffy pillow? you want a wedge pillow? That's something I'm looking to get, I think, is a wedge pillow just to help keep my head up uh, when I sleep on my side. So all of that available at Snooze. And uh, just visit this mattress specialist there, Christy Powell, Michael Klaus, Johnny Namoff, and Big Mike Namoff. And go in there and try it. And, again, they'll let you lay there as long as you'd like. I mean, don't go overboard, but lay there, check out the bed. I, I tested out a latex bed, which was one of the softest. It is the softest thing I've ever uh, slept on uh, as far as a bed goes. Again, there are several mattresses and bed places around town you can look at, but uh, take a step up, quality, luxury, find a mattress that can guarantee you Years of fantastic sleep. You'll be amazed at what you find at Snooze, S-N-O-O-Z, Luxury Mattress Shop, 2007 Neal Street next to Scotty's Brew House. Ask for Christy, Big Mike, Johnny, and Michael, your luxury mattress experts at Snooze, and we welcome them to Penny for your thoughts. Three five six nine three nine seven. an update here from CJ, says we received market updates from the Andersons, W-I-A-I Radio Danville, 1970s and the early 80s. Yeah, the Andersons. Used to provide a lot of market updates during the course of the day. 10.49 here at DWS. Let's see what else is uh, happening here locally. We mentioned that the Urbana and Champaign City Councils, uh, Urbana City Council normally meets on Monday, but they were meeting tonight because of the Martin Luther King holiday. Champaign City Council could approve an ordinance tonight that would, among other things, put in place a cap on establishments that mainly provide video gaming. Council members put a... A moratorium in place last February that prevented any more gaming businesses in the city so that officials could study the issue more. And Urbana mayor set to unveil plan to rehabilitate Lincoln Square's area. Our newsroom's been covering that as well. Diane Marlin, the mayor, plans to formally introduce a process to rehabilitate Urbana's entire Lincoln Square area. The Facer Law Office invites you to attend their free seminar, Seven Secrets. You need to know to protect your home, your assets, and your family from the cost of long-term care. Learn about the law that completely changes the rules and much more. It'll be tomorrow at 1.30 at the I-Hotel. Give them a call. The Facer Law Office, 337-1111. the number here. And we go back to the phones. And Brian joins us on Penny. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Good morning, Brian. You're doing a great job. Well, thank you, Brian. And, you know, you were saying that uh, you uh, apologized to uh, Brad Underwood. I think he owes you an apology, Brian, because 
they haven't won any Big Ten games this year. No, and, that's uh, true. They, they've come close. You know, uh, I've been watching the Illini for over 50 years, and I can't ever remember a season where the football team and the basketball team went this far and hadn't won a conference game. Yeah, you'd have to look it up. I know when uh, when I started attending games with my dad, early 70s, uh, late 70s, of course football was struggling with Gary Moeller uh, at the end there. And I know a lot of folks remember you know, earlier days as well in the 60s uh, where they didn't win a lot uh, from time to time. So, But, yeah, this is a pretty dry spell right now. Yeah, we've got it in basketball and football and women's basketball. You know, we're just uh, – it's tough being a line eye right now. It is. Yeah, that was, uh, and that's what would have really just, uh, I can sense Illini fans are just hungry for something to hold on to here, some kind of encouragement. And I thought that's what disappointed me last night. And well, I was sad about the game and I felt bad. I, I told Coach Underwood in the post game, I'm sorry, Coach, because, I mean, everybody was pulling for him to finally break through and they made a big play and then uh, Nebraska had the last say. Osmussen said last night he predicted the 10-point Illini win. Did he really? Oh, yeah. He went out on a limb saying, oh, I guarantee it, you know, and everybody else was heckling him, but, uh, you know. Well, at about, the, uh, at, at about the 15-minute mark of the second half, we were up eight, so he was close. How do you say that center's name again? The, the, uh, the center? Number 11. For Nebraska? For, for Illinois. Oh, Illinois. I'm sorry. Uh, Eboigbedin. Eboigbedin. Yeah, Eboigbedin. That's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first I couple think... games, uh, we played that game at Eastern Illinois, and I'm asking several different people, okay, how do you say this? And I got about three different answers. So that's. Well, you got four years to, to yeah. do a good job with that, Brian. It was kind of like uh, Michael Uhumanawanui, you know, when he was here. <laughs> I, I had to work on that, too. I think, uh, you know, over time, I think he'll uh, be a productive player oh, for us. I, I think he already is starting, starting starting to be productive. For a man who just uh, started playing basketball in high school, I mean, you know, uh, he's a diamond in the rough. Yeah, I think he's played a lot of soccer because he's got very quick feet. I know that. Mm-hmm. They they, uh, they like him on the inbounds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, good luck, Brian. You're doing a good job on Penny and uh, – Best of luck in the future with the Illini. Thank you. Appreciate it, Brian. We're on Penny for your thoughts this morning, 1053. The Beef House is another one of my favorite places. You've heard me talk about them for a long time. 2018, New Year, New Year's resolutions. If you haven't been to the Beef House, make a resolution to get over there. Take your friends, take your family. They've been around since 1964, Bob and Bonnie Wright. They're known for steaks. They don't just have steaks, though, so don't be turned away by that. Eh, I don't want to go to a steakhouse. They've got everything, chicken, pork, pasta, seafood. If you come for lunch, they've got a lunch buffet. You won't find a better lunch buffet. Menu items available for kids. Don't be afraid to take the kids over. Take that uh, short drive in the country, as they say. Enjoy the beef house rolls. They bring you those rolls, like, right away. I mean, they just bring them right to your table. And Ed usually gobbles up when I go with Ed. He gobbles them up in the first 30 seconds. But uh, taking my family over there, it's a great place to take your family, friends, a lunch meeting. If you take your sales staff over there, enjoy the Beef House. Yeah, Ed was just there Saturday. He highly recommends it. I hope one of your resolutions in 2018 is to make the trip to the Beef House just off I-74, Covington, Indiana, 
Exit 4, our fine sponsor here on Penny for Your Thoughts. We will take a break. We'll come back with more. It's 10.55 here on this Tuesday. Hope you're having a great morning so far. I'm back with more in a moment. Welcome back. Penny for your thoughts continuing here for a couple more minutes here on this Tuesday. Again, tomorrow an open line in hour number one. And then we will have Jim Dye with us for hour number two. And then we'll talk about the flu bug on Thursday morning at 9. Busey Money Talk at 1030 on Thursday. Woods Basement Systems for years. Since 1986, they've been around. The Woods family has helped over 55,000 homeowners. And January is Radon Action Month. Woods Basement Systems radon experts can help determine if a building's radon levels are above the EPA's recommended levels, and if so, can install an aesthetically pleasing and affordable radon mitigation system. Remember, Woods estimates do not cost you anything. If you need some work done in your basement or foundation walls, the cracks, all of that, how much is it costing you to not fix the problem? We can kind of turn away from that, can't we, and go, I don't want to face that. We'll give them a, a free estimate to call. 888-935-4333, or go to woodsbasementsystems.com, 888-935-4333. Kept thinking of uh, the game last night. Who was the Greek mythology, uh, char- I say character, that's not right, but the mythology figure where they pushed the boulder up the mountain and then they got to the top and it rolled back. They had to keep going back down and push the boulder back up to the top. That's what that game felt like last night at the end. It's like, are you kidding me? Right there, just didn't quite uh, get it done. But uh, I think better times are ahead for Illinois basketball, and hopefully those better times will come our way Friday night. The Kohl Center is a very tough place to play, as we know, and has been. But Wisconsin's not quite at the level they've been. They do have Ethan Happ, who's an excellent interior player, of course, big man inside. But they've been struggling for the most part, right about 500. So we'll see how the Illini and the Badgers do coming up. Friday night. I'll do the show Friday morning from Madison, Wisconsin. I don't know if it'll be any warmer or not. Maybe a little bit. Supposed to warm up a little bit, I guess, here as we work our way into the weekend. But uh, breezy and very cold today, and we're struggling to get out of the the lower single digits. We're at two degrees right now. Well, thanks to my uh, guest today. We had uh, Sherry Williamson on earlier this hour talking about the uh, gun violence uh, Unit 4 PTA uh, panel discussion. Uh, town Hall, they're calling it, tomorrow night, 6.30 to 8.30, 4th floor, the Illinois Terminal Building. Hope you, if you've got some time, you can go to that. Also, Steve Futterman joined us from California, talked a lot of different polit- uh, political issues, a little bit of history today, all of that, a busy show here on Penny for Your Thoughts as we head for 11 o'clock. Rush Limbaugh's show is coming up next. Have a great day, everybody. I'm Brian Barnhart. Talk to you tomorrow on Penny for Your Thoughts, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. It's 11 o'clock.